Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. Jalen Ross here and today is the day of all days we're finally back to the norm we're talking football as fall camp is on the horizon uh depending on where you're listening to this it probably started already but it's Tuesday afternoon following local media day and fall camp starts mm, excuse me fall camp starts in two days on Thursday so football is back in Oklahoma and we finally got more fun to talk about um so we're going to talk a little bit about what was said at local media day today uh, a little bit about some position uh, battles, reviews, whatever you want to call it. Some players that I'm kind of excited for this fall. And then just a little bit of recruiting talk as Oklahoma landed two commits uh, in the past 24 hours and a quarterback and a safety. So uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. So local media day uh, wrapped up a few hours ago, about two hours ago. Uh, Brent Venable spoke all of the um all of the assistant coaches spoke and then a few players spoke. I'm not sure exactly what players, but uh, there were a few players that did get to speak. So um, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. So Brent Venables um, had, of course, I mean, in classic Brent Venables fashion, had a pretty long presser today, went up there for about almost an hour. I think it was about 50 minutes, close enough. But uh, he had a lot of good things to say, talked a lot about uh, the defense, talked a lot about individual players and his excitement with those guys. He talked about, you know, building the program, heading into next year, recruiting with that SEC logo, all that great stuff, um, and a lot of good quot- quotables from him. But uh, I think one of the things that really just stood out to me the most from him was was kind of his excitement about the way uh, – not, not excitement, the way that he talked about this team this year. You can tell that things have changed. And uh, he talked about how – you know, they're in a better spot than they were 12 months ago on the practice field, which is great news because you got to remember last year we talked about how we talked about how they just looked tired. And and what that meant was they were going so hard in the summer. They were going so hard in the fall that when the season started, they had nothing left in the tank. And you saw that. I mean, you know, I, I like many of you, are guilty and I'm guilty of going on record and saying that this team was full of quitters and that this team just straight up quit. Uh, like the West Virginia game, um, I think I would say the Texas game, but like, you know, what else could you really have done without a quarterback? Um, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say the Baylor game. I don't think they really quit in that one. Um, you get the point, though. I mean, we there was a few games we looked at and we said, yeah, this team just quit. And Maybe it wasn't as much as quitting as it just was they had nothing left in the tank. And if that, oh, I didn't even mention the most dreadful game, the TCU game, where everybody was dropping like flies in that second half. That's the one that uh, kind of irks me still. But uh, he talks about how they're, be, they're in a better spot than a year ago in practice. And it shows. I mean, uh, I know that last week of workouts, they kind of eased up, or the last two weeks, of uh, summer workouts, they kind of eased it up a little bit. They didn't go, they didn't go as hard, so they could be fresh legged heading into fall camp, which is important because they've got twenty four practices coming up for the first kickoff. I mean, that's a lot of football. You know, it's all what is what's today? It's August first, so you've got a month and a day until game one. So they've got a lot of work to do. And fall camp, I mean, look, if, if okay, so if you don't know, 
maybe you've always heard the term fall camp, don't really know what it means. Fall camp is more than just practice. It's more than just getting on the field and going home. It's not like high school where, I mean, I know some high schools do it a little different, but each to each their own. But uh, fall camp is the most grueling, most physically demanding part of your season. Now, obviously, the summer is is equally important. The summer's really the summer's really where you win championships. But fall camp is where the guys that made it through the summer, you really see what they're about because this is the point where it's football, football, football all day. I mean, you're talking about waking up early, you got breakfast, you got you got mandatory breakfast. So it's like you can't just skip. It's mandatory breakfast. It's uh it's I wish I had a schedule in front of me, so I'm going off the dome here. But it's like it's mandatory breakfast. It's it's meeting after meeting. It's position meetings. Or it's team meeting, position meetings, special teams meeting, probably actual practice. Get out of practice. You probably got another meeting. Then you got lunch. Then you probably have another meeting. You might have a walkthrough, bunch of other stuff. Then you've got dinner. Then you've got to go to bed and you do the same thing every day for the rest of the week. It's a very trying and challenging time for people. So when you look back in a year ago, it's easy to see why these guys might have been just mentally drained because you hear BV talk about this so much about how you you can clearly see that there's a mentality shift. And we knew that when Brett Venables was hired. I mean, his mentality is, you know, do it this way. It's my way or the highway. It's, you know, do it this way or don't be successful at all. It's and I don't, I don't remember the question he was asked, but he was talking kind of about how, you know, there were players last year that they had to get rid of because they wanted to do it their own way. They wanted to, you know, they, they they would say, coach, I'm not with this. I'm not with, you know, the constant grind that's required or, or what you're asking of me. And he's talked about how they're in a completely new, they, they've kind of done a whole shift this year and now it's all different there's a lot more buy-in and buy-in is one of those words you hear a lot with new coaches but him and ted roof both talked about how there's a lot more of that this year ted roof mainly did and how you know defense has shifted a lot i mean again the reason why this defense was so was not that great a year ago uh one there were probably some talent deficiencies well i say probably there definitely was and then two you know they Venables defense is hard like you know these guys just did not have the I'm not calling them stupid but they didn't have probably the mental capacity to grasp everything or they were thinking too much which that is a thing in football when you think too much you do stupid you do stupid stuff when you don't play at 100% you do stupid stuff and we saw that over and over last year it's like I don't know if I'm supposed to get this guy or this guy that kind of stuff happens all all the time case in point is the Baylor game the TCU game those two are perfect examples of where you can just see confusion after confusion. Uh, you know, the play, the Kansas State game, that third and 16, that's going to live in my memory forever. But uh, that plays like that. So um, it's great to hear stuff like that, knowing that, you know, that kind of stuff happens. And one of the big things that Brent talks about so much is the game seven mentality, which is that, you know, you can't have this feeling that, you know, well, it's just practice when you're on the practice field or it's just a meeting when you're in the meeting room, every single thing you do has to, has to feel like it's the, it's the, it's, it's, it's life or death. It has to feel like game seven, which hits the game seven mentality. You know, you can't just coast through it. You can't just go through the motions. You've got to do everything at 110% as if it's the last time you're ever going to do it. So 
uh, seeing stuff like that is positive. And, and, and a big thing that was been, that was talked about today was like, uh, you know, player led program, that kind of stuff is super important because you can't, um, you, you can't win. Here's the thing about like championship programs. Most of those programs are player led in a sense of, excuse me. Most of those programs are, are player led in a sense of like, you know, you can have player led meetings where the captains can get up and they can say what they got to say and the players can listen. Uh, you know, that's that's maybe certain workouts where you're having the whole team come out and do some stuff and getting better. I mean, there was some there were the, 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 the D line just the other day was uh, working out one on one with a, with a local D line trainer uh, from Southmore and, and putting in work with him like player led stuff is super important because it can't just be the coaches that are that are demanding stuff out of you. You've got to hold each other accountable too. That's got to be something that's happening in the locker room. It's got to get to a point where the coaches don't even need to be there. Obviously they should be, but it should be to a point where the coaches don't even need to be there and you can run a position meeting with just the players. Like the receivers can just have Drake Stoops get up and say what he needs to say about maybe an install or uh, watching film and practice and Emmett Jones can just sit at the back and watch him work. That's the kind of stuff that happens in a player led program. And that's been a real constant theme this off season. That's a really great positive to hear because it was not uncommon over the last few years to hear stuff about like players having to be, having to be uh, having, you know, having to pull teeth to get into the film room after a game or having to pull teeth to come and do, you know, voluntary workouts and stuff like that, you know, not putting in the work, you, like I often hear coaches say all the time, it's the work you put in away from here that that matters the most. And uh, that's a really big positive to hear. Um, and then the the competitive depth term, that's been something that's been said over and over, which is awesome, which is what you need, because competitive depth really talking about you've got competition at every spot. And uh, Brent Venables talked about how, you know, he's, he's talked about this for years, but he talked about how. You know, every time I recruit, I'm recruiting somebody to replace somebody. So he's recruiting a guy. Maybe he's looking at a Danny Stutzman and he recruits a Phil Pachati and he says, Phil, I'm bringing you in. I'm not saying you're going to start, but I'm bringing you in to compete with Danny. And that's the mentality that Phil's going to have. He's got to know he's challenging this guy. That's obviously not going to happen, but that's the way that you recruit these guys. And it lets the guy know in front of him that I got to be on it because there's this hot shot five star behind me. Hence the quarterback situation, uh, which I'll talk about that later. But, um, you know, one of the interesting things he said today was about how very good chance they could have a whole entirely new looking front seven minus Danny Stutzman. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw my depth chart for the defense. And some of y'all jumped down my throat because I did not have Ethan Downs starting. Now, here's the thing. I think the world of Ethan Downs is a person. I think that he is a good player. But a year ago, he wasn't great. And I think he'll play this year. Like, obviously, I just don't think he'll start because I think our Mason Thomas is, is, is a better player. I think he has more talent. Uh, I think that Rondell Bothroyd does, and he's proven it. I mean, he has more production. Uh, so I see those two starting. On the inside, I gave Jonah Laulu a nod. Now, Laulu's gotten bigger. He, he made the move to the interior uh, this year. So that's going to be interesting to see. But it feels like as a leader, Laulu has really taken a leap. So that kind of gives me some insight to think that maybe he's going to end up being one of the first 11 on the field this, this Saturday or this Saturday, uh, a few Saturdays from now. So uh, we'll see how that all goes. But Danny Stutzman has been 
he hasn't been the topic of the offseason, but he's been an interesting one uh, because I know the big thing about him a year ago was that he didn't care enough. And I'm not saying that that's what people said or that's what like Coach V said. I'm saying from like what the fan base would say about Danny Stutzman made it seem like the guy just didn't like football and like he's got to stop being a jokester. He's got to start taking it more serious, which even Brent Venables did say at one point, like he asked him, are you going to be the funny guy or are you going to be the leader? Danny Stutzman this offseason has taken a huge leap. And uh, I talked to someone the other day, told me that he's kind of the leader on this defense right now. He loves, he knows the front, he knows the playbook, like the back of his hand. He's really learned. He's became a better leader. And of course, when you hear Brent Venable say that there might be an entirely new front seven minus Danny Stutzman, that stands out. So uh, I, I have a few hot takes about Danny Stutzman, but I'm probably going to post those on Instagram. So I'm not going to give them away yet because I want y'all to see him. But um Really excited about what he can bring this year. I think he's going to bring it as a leader. I think he's going to do great this year, uh, and I'm excited for that. Uh, and, and then just Brett Venable saying that you know he expects the returning guys to be better. He res- he expects each and every guy a year ago that did something to be on another level, and that includes obviously Danny Stutzman. Now, like Stutzman did lead the Big Twelve in tackles last year, if I think that's correct, but. He had his moments where, you know, maybe he looked lost or maybe he and I and I think on like the Texas game he played. He was one of the few bright spots in that dreadful game. Uh, The Florida State game played great. Uh, There was another one. He had a really good game. I can't remember which one it was, Uh, but he also had a few games. Oh, the the Iowa State game. But he also had a few games that was like, okay, you might want to burn the tape on that one. But this year, I'm really excited for him. I mean, I think if he puts it all together, I'm sorry, I don't think. I know for a fact if he puts it all together, he is going to be talked about as a Buckus guy this year. And he should be because he's got the talent. He's got the size. I mean, his measurements are out are through the roof. Uh, I'm really excited for him. But I'm going to talk more about the linebackers uh, down the road because I want to talk a little bit more uh, about some stuff from this media day thing. But um, uh, Jeff Levy got up and he spoke a little bit about um, about the O-line situation. And they've kind of already got it figured out there. Minus one spot. So let's just go ahead and shift this over to the position talk. Now, I would go position by position, but I want to discuss this first. So uh, Jeff Levy kind of names a starting O-line with left tackle, or Walter Rouse at left tackle, uh, Andrew Rame at center, McCade Matoyer at right guard, and Tyler Guyton at right tackle. Now, notice I left out left guard, and the reason why I left out left guard is because there's supposed to be some competition there. They've talked about it being a camp battle. I think the obvious is Savion Bird, uh, who looks like a freak, by the way. I would want it to be Savion Bird. I think it's going to be Savion Bird. Uh, I'm pretty sure that battle sounds like Savion Bird, Caleb Schaefer, uh, uh, maybe Jake Taylor. Yeah, those are the three. I think it's going to be Savion Bird. Now, McCabe Matoyer is interesting because he didn't have a great year last year. Like, let's just be honest. And to a man i get it and i think maybe like in the spring i think when i did like a pre-spring depth start or something i did not have him starting i had bird at the right guard i don't remember who i had on the left side but i think for mckay matoyer like he's played too much football last year just has to be a situation of him getting acclimated to a new to a new school because he played, he's played too much. He's played the most football in that O-line. I mean, he's played too much football to have the year like he had a year ago. Uh, he He's had a great summer. So 
Maybe this year is different and he turns over a leaf and I expect it to be. I hope it is, but I don't know. I, I mean, it, we'll see how that plays out. But as far as that left guard spot, I think it's Savion Bird's spot. I mean, again, he he looks like I wish that this was uh, on YouTube so I could show you all the picture. If you haven't seen the picture of him uh, standing next to the rest of the lineman with Dylan Gabriel and he is just a freaking nature. So. Um, I'm excited about him. Walter Rouse, obviously, I've, I've, I've said it over and over. I'm really excited about him. Uh, a lot of talk in the offseason about him, you know, being a guy that once he puts it together, he ends up being a first, he could probably be a first round pick at some point. I mean, he's a super smart dude, first of all. I don't remember what it was that uh, Bill Bedenboe said that he studied at Stanford. But first of all, he went to school at Stanford. So obviously a smart kid. And then he studied some medical something there. And, uh, you know, O line, like you got to be super smart to play it. You've got to know every, you got to know jobs, you got to know the de defense, you got to know all that stuff, you got to know fronts, everything. So I think he's going to bring a lot for this team this year. Really excited about him. Um, Tyler Guyton, it, a beast. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be, that's, that's fun. That's going to be great. Uh, I think for him, a lot of the talk is, you know, first of his athleticism for his size. I mean, uh, I, I gotta, I gotta check this out real quick. He is. Let's look at his measurements for a second. I know he's obviously tall, but like his his, his height and weight, or his weight. Uh, he's somewhere in the two hundreds, three hundreds. I mean, three hundred twenty five pounds. Doesn't look like your normal three hundred twenty five pounder when you look at him. So, uh, and then you pair that with his athleticism. You want to talk about a guy that's potential first round pick? I know I'm. I'm saying the entire old line is all, is a first round guy. Our first round guys. I'm not. I'm saying that like Rouse has the potential. Guyton obviously has the potential. I thought a year ago outside of Anton Harrison, he was the best lineman that they had. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Now, uh, getting into some more position stuff. I think the most uh, interesting one. Excuse me. Good Lord. I don't know what the heck just happened. Uh, anyway, I think one of the most interesting ones or no, not even interesting. Uh, it's quarterback. That's not an interesting position battle. That's not even a position battle. Dylan Gabriel's a starter. And I know everybody wants, you know, everybody wants to throw Dylan Gabriel into the sun and get and get Jackson Arnold get Jackson Arnold out there immediately. But here's the deal. You know, Jackson, like Jackson's one of those guys, he's eager to play. Jackson's eager to start. But at the same time, he's one of those guys that's willing. He understands. He knows he has to learn. He knows he has to sit back and stay patient, wait his turn. And going into the SEC next year, he is your guy. Where I get a little questionable is I wonder if Jeff Levy thinks about doing some, some stuff with him this year. Because I think, and I'm not a coach, so maybe this isn't the best. I don't think it would be too bad to get him some experience before you, before you play him next year. Because... Obviously, he'll get a chance to play. I mean, you know, Arkansas State, like, they're not that good. Tulsa, not that good. You're going to have some blowouts in your first three games. SMU might be, it won't be like a competitive, it will, okay, it won't be a blowout, I don't think. SMU should be pretty solid. But, like, Arnold's going to get a chance to play. I'm saying maybe you do a bit of a belldozer type thing. Like, don't obviously do that. Don't have Jackson Arnold getting in there running QB draw every play. But get him a chance to take some snaps. I don't think that would be terrible. 
how realistic that is, I doubt it because, you know, they don't, they're not really big on now. Of course it's competition and they're going to figure it out. But like we saw it a year ago, they weren't really big on playing young guys. They weren't really big on playing freshmen unless they absolutely had to. I think what the good thing is about Jackson Arnold being there is you have a serviceable backup, which means that Dylan Gabriel can use his legs a lot more and you don't have to, I mean, of course you're going to have to worry about him getting hurt, but like, you're able to do it a little bit more because last year we saw a little bit of that towards the end of the season. And when Levy was at Ole Miss, like it's a lot of the stuff they did with Matt Corral. And the Matt Corral is more mobile than Gabriel was, but Corral did a lot of that, you know, QB. They had a lot of QB run game stuff. I could see them bringing that back or, or, or including more of that this year because you have someone behind him that's good enough to provide relief. So, uh, now, if that includes maybe doing like, like like the Chandler Morris thing a few years ago, remember Chandler Morris had his uh, his own little package, if you will, where he got in and took a few handle or took a few runs. Something like that, I don't think would be terrible. Um, now, that's unlikely, but I think that would be fun. Now, I'm not saying that Gabriel and Arnold need to split split snaps. Like, no, you don't. Now, maybe again, there's 24 practices, so maybe. Maybe Jackson pushes him so hard and they decide to do it. But, you know, the old saying, you got two quarterbacks, you got none. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Running back, I can't talk about Gavin Sawchuk enough. Um, Talked to someone the other day that said that Sawchuk's the clear leader in that room. I mean, just from a standpoint of leadership uh, and then on the field. Now, Javante Barnes, the thing with him, I mean, he's been kind of banged up. I don't know if he still is, but I know in the spring he didn't participate because he had surgery on a, I think it was his foot or his leg. It was something that happened, um, but he missed some time in the spring. I think he missed some time in the summer, uh, but I obviously I think he'll play a lot. I mean, he, he flashed a lot a year ago and, um, you know, DeMarco was asked today about uh, could this be kind of a 1A, 1B type thing, maybe a, a mix and P Ryan type situation with two good running backs or do you just have a workhorse? And I think that his whole thing is he's just going to have the best guys out there. So Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes, I could see that happening. One of my hot takes that I was going to include was maybe you have 2,000-yard rushers this year. Now, that's a stretch because last year you didn't have anyone close to it, and your O-line has to be better. But I don't know. Gavin Sawchuk really excites me. Um, Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks. Caleb Hicks is one of those guys that's, and I know in the spring, there was a lot of talk about him being one of those guys that like he, he's, he's not Samaje Piran, but he's close to it. Now he's obviously smaller than Piran was. Piran was just a big bowling ball, but that toughness, he resembles that toughness. Uh, Caleb Hicks wouldn't shock me if he's one of those guys that gets, if he's like the Javante Barnes of last year. The true freshman that came in got some chance to shine. Dalen Smothers is interesting because he hasn't played in a minute. I mean, he played in the spring game, obviously played in the spring, but did not play his senior year of high school. So he hasn't played a lot of football recently. So it'll be interesting to see how that 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 adjusts. Uh, Marcus Major is the interesting one, and I know some of y'all were also cussing me out on my story because I didn't I didn't talk about Marcus Major. Only thing with Marcus Major is he's just got to stay on the field. I mean, the talent's there. I don't think he has the feature back talent. He's not, I don't know if he's at the, well, at this point in his career, 
it would shock me if he was the guy that can go out and get you 1,500 yards. Like, it's not going to happen. Running backs, running backs are like cars. They have a certain amount of mileage on them. But the biggest thing for Marcus is staying on the football field. Like, that's all it's got to be. If he can stay on the field, then he can provide a lot of relief for this running back room. This running back room is deep, though. I mean, there's a lot of talent. Uh, you look at what they've done in recruiting, what they've got coming in. Like, there's a lot of numbers in here. So, um, should be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, as far as tight end, poor tight ends. I mean, they only got, uh, I think, two scholarship guys and Blake Smith and Austin Stogner. Uh, and then Hampton Faye, the kid from Michigan State, was a walk-on. Uh, but I've heard a lot about him. I've heard he's a really he's a really good athlete. So maybe he's a guy that can help provide some relief there because they're 100% going to need it. But um, uh, wide receiver. It's an interesting topic because I know that's kind of been everyone's worry up to date on the offensive side of the ball. Because you don't really have a receiver right now that you look at and you say, that's the guy. Maybe it's Jalil Farouk, but I don't know if he's quite proven enough to be a wide receiver one kind of guy. But the way that Emmett Jones talks about him, and like if you watch Emmett Jones talk, he talks about Jalil Farouk more than anybody in this receiver room, which tells me and and I know like Emmett Jones, he, he, he like any other coach, he talks about how like, you know, he talked he he said something like he 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 coaches receivers, he coaches every receiver like they're Belitnikov winners. Like he coaches every receiver like they're a starter. Don't matter if you're a walk-on, don't matter if you're the student manager who just got a spot on the team. Like every receiver is gonna get coached hard. They're gonna get coached like they're playing. He says he likes to do split and reps and all that stuff. But he talks about Jalil Farouk too much for me not to think that Farouk is not the leader in this room right now. Now, okay, I'll take that back. He talks about him too much for me not to think that he is the leader as far as talent. As far as leadership, it's Drake Stoops, hands down. I mean, he talked about Stoops knowing the playbook. Uh, he, he talked about him being like a coach, which obviously Drake Stoops, like, you know, it's in the name. But Jalil Farouk got talked up and down today, and uh, I, I believe Jones said something about how he reminds him of Percy Harvin. And if y'all remember Percy Harvin, you, if you know, you know. So, uh, but he said something that was interesting about how like Farouk didn't really know. It was it was kind of like he was he said something along the lines of he didn't really know how to play receiver, and they kind of had to start from square one. Like Farouk had been taught to play receiver, but use your skill set. He was never really taught how to play receiver, like the technical stuff. And this is the thing about Emmett Jones that I love. When he talks about coaching these guys, he talks like, first off, he calls the meeting room the classroom. He don't say we're in the meeting room. He says this is the classroom. So he's a real technician with these guys is what it sounds like to me. And that's really good to hear. Now, one of the other things that stood out to me about him was or about this receiver room. He talked about Jaden Gibson, said Jaden Gibson was one of the smartest guys in the room. Jaden Gibson really understands the playbook well, which is a great thing to hear. Now for him, it's just about catching the football. I mean, he, and look, as a receiver, I get it, man. Like you have your moments. I'm not going to bash him for it because I've struggled, I struggled with that problem too. But uh, Jaden Gibson, I mean, it, it, it's all about, that's really all it takes for him. Um, DJ Graham is an interesting one. Heard a lot about him in the spring. He talked about Graham being one of the strongest in the room, uh, brings that defensive mindset, which is great. And, and, and he's talked about how he wants the receivers 
to kind of play with the mindset of a linebacker, be aggressive, be tough, be 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 tough off the line. Uh, and and, and Levy talked about how that room is, is 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 just filled with toughness, and that is a great sign because when you're a receiver, you want to be the one to, and this is what they teach you as a receiver. They teach you to initiate contact. They teach you when a guy's in your face and he's pressing you, they want you to initiate the first blow. They want you to let that guy know, hey, I'm here. Like, we're going to be here all night if we have to be. We're going to throw hands if we have to. But Jones coaches these guys with some toughness. He's coaching these guys with the mentality. Like I said, he's coaching them like linebackers, which is a huge positive to hear. And you're hearing this. uh, uh, I, I didn't hear him say a lot about Andrew Anthony today. I don't know if he did. Um, but it's an interesting position to watch for sure. But it really sounds like to me, like, um, like Farouk is really going to stand out as one of the guys this year. So, um, defensively on the D line, I talked about that already. I think that, uh, I'm actually gonna make a change. Dejon Terry, I I think he does start this year. Um, Brent Venables loves him some Dejon Terry. Uh, and, and I mean, I mean, guys, 320 pounds, like, you know, you, you can't keep that off the field. You just can't. Uh, I see it there. Linebacker wise, Danny Stutzman's got it locked. Uh, as far as the other two, Jaron Canick. So some of y'all screamed at me because I had Connor near starting over Jaron Canick and, the biggest thing I kept saying was that Canning just kind of has to, to still learn uh, how to play linebacker, which is not a position. It's not an easy position to play when you really want to know it front to back. But Venables talked about Canick and said that Canick is kind of like Canick is like a Stutzman Jr. Him and him and Danny are always in the film room together. He's always working. He's a gym rat. He's in the facility on, all the time. Venables spoke very highly of him, so that tells me that Canick is really putting it together. But it, Connor Near, a really good player. Like he's played linebacker a lot. If you don't remember Connor Near, Connor Near is the D two transfer from Ferris State. Won two national championships there. Played a lot of football. Uh, now, if Near doesn't start, I think he plays again. Too much experience there for him not to be. And there's been a lot of talk about him. Ted Roof has spoken very highly of him. Um, so I could see that. I could see Near being an impact guy this year. But I don't know. I think him and Canick are going to battle it out a little bit at that. Um, at that that Mike spot. As far as Cheetah, Justin Harrington's a name. Desan McCullough's a name. To me, McCullough sounds like a guy that still kind of has to learn a little bit. But um, I feel like for Justin Harrington, this is the make or break year for him because there's always been a lot of talk about him um, and, and what he can do. But at some point, he's got to put it together. But I still think Deshaun McCullough is a starting cheetah this year. And wouldn't shock me if maybe him and Harrington split time, but McCullough is definitely going to get a nod. Um, now, as far as corners, um, obviously, Woody Washington's cornerback one. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Gentry Williams is a guy that's been talked up a lot this offseason. Uh didn't do a lot in the spring because of the situation that he had in the workouts that caused him to miss uh, the entire spring. But Jay Vallad loves him. Each defensive coach has raved about him. 
wouldn't shock me at all if he's on the other side of Woody Washington. Uh, I could see him becoming a player. Josiah Wagner is one that really excites me now. I don't think he's going to start, but I think he might be a guy later in the season that you start to see more of because he is, he reminds me a little bit of Trey Norwood, uh, but it's on the back end when Trey Norwood was a safety because I always like Trey Norwood and Trey's a bit of a smaller guy, which is why he reminds me of Wagner. I think Wagner or oh, Wagner's definitely more physical than Norwood was. But like, think about Norwood's season in 2020. He had a terrific year that year when they moved him back to safety and made a lot of plays. And I think Wagner uh, can embody that. I'm not saying move him to safety, but I could see him uh, kind of resembling that, kind of resembling that mold. Because I think about Norwood his freshman year when he um, when he got a little bit of burn towards the end of the year in that TCU game. Uh, the OSU game. I can't remember if somebody got hurt and that's why he played or maybe he was just that good and he worked his way up into a starting spot. I don't remember, but I remember seeing a lot of him that year. Um, and I think back to like a year ago, like CJ Colden and I really wish CJ Colden would have came back because I think that Colden and Washington would have been exceptional on each on the, on the, on, a, on one side of each other. Woody Washington's thing is this, like I, I y'all know, I think the world of Woody Washington and I love Woody. I think that he has all the talent in the world. But he also had those moments last year, too, where, like the defense as a whole, he would panic. And, like, you think about that TCU game. He had that bad touchdown he gave up in that first half because he panicked when the ball was in the air. Uh, I think he gave up a touchdown or he got a pass interference. It was something bad. That game's been removed from my memory, so I could not tell you. Uh, but uh, 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 safety. Billy Bowman, obvious. Now, as far as the other safety spot, this is where it gets interesting because, of course, you talk about Key Lawrence. Key Lawrence has the talent. His only thing is, I don't think that he's been very consistent. He has moments where he makes plays. He has moments where he doesn't. Um, but I feel like, and, and there was a lot of talk. I know somebody asked me the other day on Instagram about, uh, did I see a vet that would have a little more significance this year? And I think it is key Lawrence because, you know, I mean, I'd heard the other day that Lawrence was, 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 was learning the defense front to back as well. Uh, it's kind of becoming more of a leader. And if he puts it all together and becomes that guy that we thought he would be when he first got here. Sure, he does start on the other side of Billy Bowman. But if it's not him, Reggie Pearson is another guy. Reggie Pearson was probably my favorite player from that spring game. That's a spring game. It doesn't say much. But Pearson's only thing, I think, is if he can improve in coverage. The, the guy can hit. He's going to be great for run support. He's going to be great in like those third down and sh third and short situations or those situations where you feel like it's a run. He's going to be great to have out there. He's a heat-seeking heat -seeking missile. I had him starting on the other side of Bowman. I feel like that's going to be the case. Then you talk about Peyton Bowen. Now, Peyton Bowen's not like any other five-star OU's had in the past. But we have been burned by five stars before. So it kind of, it's a crossroads because I don't want to crown him right now and say, yeah, he's going to start from day one. Now he very well could. And maybe he just, these next 24 practices, he just turns it up and he just, 
becomes the best safety that OU's seen in a long time because we can have this discussion all day about how Oklahoma has not had a safety that plays like Peyton Bowen in a long time. I mean, let me let me rejog my memory here. I think the last big time safety that Oklahoma landed at a high school might have been Robert Barnes, if I'm not mistaken, because or not safety. Well, Barnes was recruited as yeah, he was a safety coming out of high school, I believe. I think 24-7 had him at a five-star as a five-star. He got to Oklahoma, and that never really panned out. I mean, you saw he left, ended up going to Colorado. We all remember the Orange Bowl game where Josh Jacobs just took his entire existence. So it's a bit of a slippery slope. But again, Peyton Bowen, Robert Barnes, two different players. But I do think Bowen's one of those guys that, like, again, later in the year, you see a lot more of him. Same with a guy like P.J. Adabari. Um you know, but these next few weeks are going to be interesting because, uh, you know, that whole competitive depth thing. I mean, there's so much competition to look forward to. Uh, I think outside of quarterback, nobody really has a spot locked down right now and and up front. But like defensively, everything's up for grabs except for Danny Stutzman. Everything seems to be like it's whoever's job. Billy Bowman, like I say, I think he locks down a starting spot, but... Can he take that next step and be that elite safety that OU has lacked for years? I mean, I can't. I think last time OU had a safety that was worth anything was Tony Jefferson. And it's been a long time. That's that's what, 10, 10, 11 years old. No, that's way more than 10 years old. That's what, 11, 12 years old, something like that. Uh, But look, this defense is going to take a huge step this year. I'm really excited to see. That's kind of like my main point of focus going into fall camp to see how this happens. Uh, Now, injury report. Pretty lengthy, uh, so we're going to get into it. Caden Helms, no telling when he'll be back. Uh, I've seen him pretty recently, seen him on crutches, seen him in a boot, so I don't know how significant his situation is, but uh, nobody really knows when he'll be back. He missed a lot of the summer. Emeka Megway, the running back, he'll be out for a while as well. Jason Llewellyn got injured back in the spring, I think, and I think he's still been battling something. J.J. Hester won't be available for a while. Uh, Brennan Thompson, Brett Vittable said that he had his tonsils taken out or something like that, so he won't be ready for camp, but he will be back in time for the season. Jacob Sexton is an interesting one. Um, we talked about this, I think, after the cheese at Bowls when I spoke about it, but he's progressing at a faster rate in his recovery. Um, he'll, he should be back. Or, or no, probably should be back. He probably will not be back. By by September, uh, I don't know if I heard Brent Venables correctly, but I feel like he said he won't be back until like October, November, or something like that. But he is progressing at a faster rate. I mean, it was an ACL, so like, you know, I've never torn an ACL. Knock on wood. But when you, it's a lot to come back from that. So probably gonna be a hot minute before we see him. Uh, Jacob Lacey says he had some blood clots, but he's in. He's been in a pretty good place. Um. But probably won't see him until December, which is rough. I mean, that's pretty much that's the end of the season. Uh, Philip Paya, he'll be out for a minute. I think he tore his ACL as well at Utah State. Shane Witters finally back and ready to go. That's another guy I'm really excited about. And then Robert Spears Jennings uh, had surgery in the spring on his shoulder, but should be back at some point in September. So, um, and that was the big thing about camp a year ago was like there were so many freaking injuries, but uh, 
it just seems like the biggest thing right now is just you got to keep guys on the field. Like I get asked about J.J. Hester a lot, and it's like I can't say much about him because the guy's not on the field. I can't say much about some of these guys because they're just not healthy. And that's going to be the biggest thing. But I think like, you know, OU has a really good collection of trainers. So uh, guys should be okay by the time the season starts. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting next, what, month? It's going to be a very interesting next month. Just see how these things play out. It'd be pretty fun to see. Uh, And then uh, finally, oh, I almost forgot. I got to talk about recruits too. Um, But I, I, I actually... I'll flip up the script here. So let's just go ahead and talk about recruiting. So uh, yesterday, Oklahoma lands a commit from four-star safety, Michael Patterson McDonald uh, of Westmore High School. Uh, One of those guys, heat-seeking missile, very physical player. Um, Everything about his game is physical. Been that way since I've known him. He's always been a physical player. Um, He will strictly play safety. That is the plan for him. Could be used on offense if you need to. He won't be, but I'm just saying if you need to. Uh, great day to be a more Viper, if you know, you know. Uh, and then today, the commitment of Brendan uh, Zerbrug, I think is how you say it. He was the he, he is the three-star quarterback or four-star quarterback uh, that was once committed to Northwestern. Three, four-star? I think he's three. I don't know. Whatever star he is. Uh, was a quarterback committed to Northwestern, but you know we all know how that Northwestern situation went. Um so Oklahoma's got two quarterbacks in this class, which is very important because, you know, quarterbacks are weird. Portal happens. Things happen. You need better. You got to have insurance, as we know. I mean, everything goes back to that faithful day in Dallas a year ago. You got to have some insurance. And one of the things I love, Zer- Zerbrug, great with his arm, great with his feet, um, has a very quick release when you watch his tape, really good accuracy, great footwork. Does an excellent job keeping his eyes downfield for his receivers. And he does a great job with the scramble drill stuff. So a uh, really good athlete. I think he's also a baseball or basketball player. Yes, he's a three-star. I messed it up. But he's uh, also a basketball player from what I see. Uh, threw for 21 or threw for 2,000 yards a year ago, 23 touchdowns in the air, and 800 yards on the ground, 800 yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground last year. So really good player. I think – uh, he's going to be awesome to have as a serviceable guy. I mean, like, it's kind of hard to know if, you know, is he going to take a meaningful step at OU? We don't know. But always great to have an insurance piece. Uh, and then uh, finally to cap things off, uh, Brent Venables officially didn't announce it, but kind of confirmed that his wife, Julie, uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer a few weeks ago now um we have known about this for a minute but obviously we didn't want to say anything out of respect for coach venables and 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 them i you know want them to say something first um if you've noticed the the page on instagram the logo is different for that specific reason uh and it's a tough situation for everybody involved i mean it's uh i mean y'all know how i feel about brent y'all know how i feel about the venables family so um just keep praying for Julie, man. She's an awesome woman. And I, and I, I know, uh, she'll be, I know she'll be fine. Um, just continue to keep her in your prayers. If you're the praying type, uh, continue to be encouraging of it. It amazes me how Brent Venables does. I mean, look, I don't think enough fans really truly know like Brent Venables life story. That man has been through some stuff and, uh, I'm pretty sure, he talked about it earlier. His mom dealt with the same situation uh, about 
18 years ago, she dealt with the same situation. Unfortunately, she passed away, but uh, Julie's a fighter and, and we know she'll be fine. She's also, she's also a, re a retired nurse. So uh, she's going to know if the doctors are lying or not, but make sure y'all keep her in your prayers. Like I said, just an amazing, sweet woman. And, um, you know, we pray that she'll be fine. We know she'll be fine. So just keep that in mind. I know a lot of people have talked about having a pink out game. And honestly, I'm not against, I think that'd be great. I think it just depends on if Miss Julie wants that, if she wants that kind of attention, I don't think she would want that kind of attention in herself, but it'd be a great thing to do for Brent's foundation, uh, the 212 foundation, which is kind of geared towards raising money for causes such as that. So I think it'd be an awesome awareness thing or just do some pink rally towels. I think that'd be great too. But um, that's about all we've got for today, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. One of the longer episodes we've done that shows you that football is truly in the air. Um, can't wait, man. We're 32 days away. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan and Jamel Fleming days away, depending on where you're listening to this. Uh, it's almost time. It's almost time. We're getting close. Uh, we can't wait, but we'll see you guys soon. Uh, we'll see you next week after the first few practices. I think that there are, let me get my numbers right. I want to say there's five practices this week, four or five. So, uh, We'll check up on those. We'll see how those go. We'll get back behind the mic and we'll discuss it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you share, leave a rating, leave a review, do whatever you need to do. And we'll see you next week. Boomer Sooner. Thank you for listening to The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross, presented by BNM Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. Thank you.